0: welcome back to another episode of polite politics Noah Niederhofer Hoffer here with Jenny Taylor Jenny the coronavirus story is what we will be talking about today it has taken over all manner of news and really has changed the United States in terms of the way that we live the way that we go about our our daily lives probably I think Jenny would you would you say that this is unprecedented in our lifetime?
1: I would say so. Honestly, I don't even know if older generations have experienced anything like this. I was talking to my grandpa who's in his 90s, and he was saying, you know, honestly, I can't remember any time where everything was totally shut down. It is kind of um, symbolic of, or it's kind of reminiscent of, wartime. especially when it comes to the economy right now that's really hurting.
0: Well, it's interesting because, as I mentioned on I think our last podcast, is that the stock market is the barometer that most people watch with regards to the economy. But there are so many other factors that go into it. But it seems that we are headed towards the path of a recession, just at least that the Uh, that the way things are going with the way that today's global economy, everything is so interconnected that when one of the parts stops working or you have a lot of parts that aren't functioning at the same level at the same time, we see this dramatic drop off as it continues in terms of the stock market at the very least to fall and fall and fall. In fact, actually wiping out all of the gains that we had seen in the stock market since President Trump took office from the economic standpoint, Jenny, with all of the layoffs that will undoubtedly be coming, with unemployment, with all of these things that are happening, take us through what are you hearing right now, Jenny, on on your side, industries, hospitality, tourism, um, restaurants. You know, what are you hearing from those people that are affected in, in in that way?
1: Right. Well, most restaurants have laid off their employees and and are probably sustaining, um, operations with maybe a salaried manager, um, who's probably taken a pay cut as well. Um, and so it's really, it's really devastating. Um, even here, um, I'm with my family in Houston, Texas. There's a restaurant saying, we love this neighborhood. We love you guys, but we're not going to be able to stay open. And, uh, we need people to start ordering for pickup. Um, which is really important, as long as you're picking up with with social distancing in mind, right? It's really important. Um, Because I think a lot of people aren't taking that as seriously. Um, You know, it kind of feels like, oh, we're all home, kind of let your guard down, have your neighbors over. It's important that that we actually listen to the CDC guidelines, um, the Trump administration, what they're saying, um, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx. um, Those are really important guidelines. But yeah it's important to also at the same time um support your your local businesses
0: certainly and one of the things that we've talked about is buying gift cards to restaurants that gives them kind of immediate cash flow you can always kind of redeem that at a later time so that's one of the things that that you can do in addition to doing either uh, pickup or carry out uh definitely some options as well uh for uh for delivery while while practicing social distancing jenny is so spot on there in terms of the economic impact this is massive unlike i think anything we've seen certainly since you know even beyond the recession that we had during 2008 right now the the senate prepping i think a two trillion dollar economic stimulus package there's irony here i think in that you know republicans for a long time historically are not a fan of some of these proposals, big government spending, economic stimulus, they were certainly against it with with President Obama, but now they, they seem to understand maybe either the urgency or the necessity of this move. Do you think that it goes against some of the ideological principles that the party has stood for over time, and should they get credit for what they're doing here in going with and supporting and proposing things and, – and they will pass this bill – for something that is $2 trillion. I mean this party has talked about definitely since the Tea Party in, in 2010 about fiscal responsibility. This is anything but fiscally responsible. What do you think about the move here from, from Senate Republicans working with House Democrats and the president – to pass these bills that will deliver much needed relief to Americans,
1: I think it's truly unprecedented, like you explained, and um, it it's reassuring to see that a lot of our political disputes are being put aside um, to work for the for the betterment of the American people. But there's also, you know, real concerns here about how we were prepared for something like this. I think we were ill-prepared. I think the world was ill-prepared for a pandemic like this. Um, And there were things that went against the Trump administration's agenda that have been ingrained in our economy, um, in our trade networks, which is our relationship with China, which I think we are going to have to in the long term once we get past this initial crisis, is another crisis we are going to have to reassess.
0: And and reassess how?
1: Well, I think one thing which many lawmakers are working towards, I know Senator Tom Cotton introduced um, a plan to start to shift our dependence from China when it comes to pharmaceuticals. You know, the majority of our pharmaceuticals are imported from China, 90, I think, 8%. Um, don't quote me on that, but it's definitely in the ninety percent um, for our um, antibiotics are coming from there. Um, and even if you go through uh, WeChat forums, um, online um, Chinese uh, state-run news outlets, you see that the Chinese are even using that um, that kind of chokehold they have on our country as as a as a way to create a crisis here because they're almost threatening to stop uh, stop the shipment of those pharmaceuticals that we really need right now. Um, and it's it's really it's scary to think about. So it's something that in the long term, we will have to address.
0: Certainly, don't want to be dependent on pharmaceuticals from any country other than ourselves uh, and certainly don't want to even be dependent on pharmaceuticals here. But I think what we've seen in trying to lessen our dependence on oil from the Middle East, I think certainly was positive for the country. And so too, hopefully, will we have a lesser dependence on China for pharmaceuticals or any country for that matter. I want to move on. Jenny, while we're talking about China, something we've seen is that the administration has really been pushing to call this, instead of coronavirus, instead of COVID-19, we're seeing a very concerted effort on the part of the administration to call this the Chinese coronavirus. There's been some some backlash. Apparently, there have been some attacks against Asian Americans here in the country, Uh, slurs. There was a, a CNN reporter. Uh, that was called a slur because of that. She's Asian. Now we look at, at yes, the virus did originate in Wuhan, so you know, but they're not calling it the Wuhan virus or you know the Wuhan coronavirus. It, it seems like they are really going in on on Chinese coronavirus. Do you think that is a I guess the right way to go about it? And and do you think b you know, What would you suggest as as far as the messaging? Do you think the messaging is is good on their part? Would you change it in any way?
1: The messaging needs to focus on how we as the American people should feel at ease. Um, I do think that there has been too much emphasis on that on both sides of the aisle. Um, it did start in China. That is important. That's a very important part of the story here um, as to why it has become such a, um, a, an out of control global pandemic. Um, but, you know, if there's someone to blame here. It would be the Chinese Communist Party.
0: Certainly, the Chinese Communist Party um, had opportunity. They knew about this virus, how serious it was. Uh, we're not as forthcoming, uh, certainly. Um, but I think we can we can all agree that uh, the name calling, the name game, doesn't doesn't do anybody any good right now as we're trying to combat this this crisis jenny one in four americans right now are under stay home orders new jersey's governor followed four other states california new york illinois and connecticut that have imposed unprecedented restrictions to try and slow the spread of infections which have uh, risen exponentially here in the united states what do you think about these measures and you know we'll, we'll talk about some of the people that are not taking it as seriously but what do you think about some of these very strict measures that we're seeing from uh, places like california new york illinois connecticut and now new jersey
1: right well those are important spots to be restricting um, any kind of social contact um, and trying to stop the spread those are key points Um, those are major uh, cities and states in america Um, it's protecting the smaller um, less populated areas in in making those initial um, restrictions and I think they did it pretty quickly. I think Governor Cuomo was very um, active, and he's been he's been um, you know updating the public constantly and taking um, any measures he can to protect his state and and in turn to to protect the country. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and it is really scary to have to be on lockdown. But I think it's a move that everyone needs to come to terms with. I think even, you know, in places where you're not on mandatory lockdown, you should stay at home. There's not really much to do. There's not much open. Sure, you can go on a walk. I mean, try to keep your distance from people. Um, You can go outside. But I think going anywhere is really an issue. It's something that everyone kind of needs to look at, okay, what are the risks for myself? Not only that, but what are the risks for other people, for older people, even for younger people? Um, what What can I do? What is my part in stopping this spread and flattening this curve, as they say?
0: Jenny, you brought up something that I want to go ahead and, and touch upon is the the mentality, really. And I think one of the things that we can do better to flatten the curve is changing our mentality if we go from what do i have to do to avoid contracting or getting the coronavirus and instead say let's assume that i have it how can i prevent giving it or spreading it to other people then i think we change our behavior much more effectively in that way
1: people are sometimes carriers, like you said, assume we have it, you could have it and it could just not be such an active virus, which a lot of doctors are talking about. Um, Like we saw, okay, a lot of uh, people in Hollywood are getting tested and we're starting to see some come forward on social media saying that they have the coronavirus. Um, Most of them I've seen, I know Idris Elba um, talked about, he does not have symptoms. He got a test. Um, but he's staying in quarantine because he, he has it and he can pass it on to people. And that's the case for a lot of people. You could have it and not even know. You could just be kind of this vessel for the virus to spread, which is really scary. It's kind of um, they're talking a lot about like a silent enemy, um, a, an invisible enemy, that's kind of what it is um, in a lot of respects. So you have to be so careful.
0: We've seen a lot of this, as, as you mentioned, a few examples in Hollywood. We've certainly seen a lot of this in the sports world as well. People that have not shown symptoms, that are not sick, have gone ahead and got tested through private labs, this is something that has been a bit of an uproar from the country because you're seeing people like Elba or like a Kevin Durant or other people that are that have the money and the means to get the tests that need to be going to sick people, to people that are at risk, and we need to prioritize these tests are for the people that need them the most. And so that that I think has created this kind of issue of class in, uh, in some respects when we have people that are celebrities that are able to get access to some of these tests, even through private labs. But there is more testing available now, which is certainly a good thing. Dr. Fauci has really seemed to be one of the people that has risen above and, and has really elevated and delivered, I think, the calm that the nation needs right now. And has delivered a consistent message of how to basically get through this. Although obviously there's there's so much, it's such a fluid and dynamic situation. But you know, what do you think about the job that Dr. Fauci has been doing? I, th- I think he's become just this. This uh, really, I-, I think what he's doing is is rather heroic.
1: He is, and he's also you know assembling this incredible team to work on. Treatments, um, therapies, and eventually a vaccine. But it's important that there's something there in the meantime because the vaccine process could be, you know, up to a year, as they say. Um, he's been working diligently on that, um, and we're already seeing some signs of hope, um, one of which is the chloroquine and its analogs. That's a pill that treats malaria, um, and they've seen success with. Uh, patients with autoimmune diseases, so they're looking at that as a potential treatment. Um, that is already approved for um, for the treatment of malaria, so it's almost a little bit more fast tracked than it would be if it was a completely new pill on the market. They're going to need to do mass clinical trials, but it seems like there's a glimmer of hope and they're not going to stop there. They're going to work on even more treatments while we're waiting in the meantime because part of flattening the curve in the meantime is they're kind of buying time to get the vaccine. So if you can start to find treatments and then free up hospital beds and respirators, which were, um, some people are saying, like one day from being... Um, completely filled up. Um, we have to find a way to to treat people to free up those those beds and those resources.
0: What we're seeing in Italy is that their system is being completely overwhelmed. That there's just not enough space for for people that need those beds and and are sick in the hospitals, and they're they're being forced to get creative. Now, Dr. Fauci did actually I think there was a question in the press briefing about those drugs that you mentioned, Jenny, because the president had tweeted them out, and I was very surprised by this because, you know, the president is not a doctor, um, and there was no indication that these drugs were any kind of combination together, which he talked about on Twitter, and then Dr. Fauci comes out and basically says, no, that's not, you know, there's there's no kind of, I don't want to say like science behind the fact that this is going to cure, you know, coronavirus
1: Right, I don't think it's that it's a cure. I, they've made it pretty clear that it is um, a treatment. And um, even there's another um, kind of treatment, which is um, blood plasma, that they're looking at. That's what they used with Ebola, um, which is taking the blood plasma of patients who previously had coronavirus. Now, it's not active in their system anymore, but it's taking those antibodies and giving it to someone um, else so that they have the protection against it. Their body already has the means to fighting off the virus. It's,
0: it's about the, the flow of information, and in this case, misinformation, not, not a disinformation. I don't think that the president sometimes tweets these things out or, or goes into things at the press conferences that he has and thinks I'm going to willfully mislead. I certainly don't think that's his intention at all. But we have seen multiple instances where the president's remarks or comments have had to be clarified or walked back or or in some cases were were just wrong. For the president, these press conferences, and and I want to single out one instance in particular with with Peter Alexander. I thought Peter Alexander of NBC News threw out a, a softball to the president asking what he would say to Americans that are frightened during this crisis, I, I thought that that was a real opportunity for for leadership on his part to say, you know, we're all in this together, we're, you know, we're kind of, we will get through this as a nation because, you know, he has sent a lot of tweets out saying that we are all in this together, you know, we will win this war, which, you know, it's it's not exactly a, you know, war in, in the traditional sense, but in, in making it a fight against an invisible enemy, I think you could try to get people on the same side here and instead of taking that opportunity to take the softball and hit it out of the park he decided to attack peter alexander in nbc news it seemed like the president took an opportunity that really i thought he could have made a a huge super positive and then the story became that he you know he didn't and, and instead it attacked you know the reporter do you feel like maybe these press conferences would be better served maybe with, with Vice President Pence for the for the task force, Dr. Fauci, and, and kind of the medical experts?
1: Sure. I think it's always best to hand over those questions to medical Ill experts. However, I think in that specific case, um, the reporter's question was cut off um, and kind of put into one clip. There was a prequel to that question. So I think that's also important to bring up. Um, I do think, yes, let the medical experts handle those questions. It's important. Um, But the president is there to provide hope to the American people um, and to show that he is actively working on it, which I know he is. And I know people recognize that. So that is an important part of those briefings um, and part of the message to the American people
0: working hard and i think it's good for the american people to see that he's working hard on their behalf we certainly uh, that that certainly can be a, a real positive there i just want to i w- i wish that he would use them in that way of, of delivering more hope uh, uh you know and and i think hopefully going forward we will see that last thing we have before our our uplifting story of the week because these are such insane times we're we're living in is these kids in Florida, those college kids that we're just seeing that clearly are not respecting the social distancing or the idea of, of the spread of infection, community spread, and they're saying, well, you know, we've you know, we been planning this for months. I'm not going to let this ruin my spring break or my party or whatever. Jenny, any message that you would have for, for these young people that are just clearly not getting it? I mean, we've, we've seen here in D.C., some people that are walking along the tidal basin here as we see the cherry blossoms start to to come into bloom, which is a beautiful thing. But nothing, obviously, near what we're seeing in Florida right now for, for that kind of spring break crowd.
1: Right. Well, I think the Florida governor did the right thing. Governor Ron DeSantis, he said the party's over, basically, and, and shut down beaches. Um, and I think the important point, like you said, people are flocking to the cherry blossoms this weekend in D.C., Um, and other places. It's not just spring break that you should be um, refraining from participating um, in. I think it's any kind of social event or, you know, having your friends over for a social distancing drink. I think it's also, even though, you know, the grocery store and the pharmacy is open, um, be careful. Everyone's going there. Make sure you're wiping things down. Make sure that you're being careful about touching things, your face. Um, I even saw actually, I-, I think this is important to the to the story of young people right now. There's a challenge um, on social media for young people to go out to grocery stores and cough on items um, that people are purchasing. I think that is Disgusting, um, and I think I don't think that speaks for the entire generation. But it is something to be said. Um, you need to really check yourself if that's what you're choosing to do. It's an, a real problem, um, and that's just actively looking to create um, even more of a spread. I don't know what what they think is going on um, because it's much more serious than that, um, and again not going to spring break not going to your friend's house just be safe and look out for other people
0: yeah it's it's really doesn't seem that hard just don't don't be selfish in that way so certainly that's that's pretty disturbing i had not heard about that that challenge that's going on on social media so i wow that is that is really really disturbing Our uplifting story of the week, Jenny, we always have one, and this one is also coronavirus-related. This one comes to us from places like California uh, and Atlanta uh, and Ontario, so uh, some of the places that we have, and, and the story is basically this. TV medical dramas are donating gowns, gloves, and masks to real hospitals that are fighting COVID-19, which is really, really cool. In Ontario, there is a firefighting TV drama called Station 19. They uh, donated protective face masks to the Ontario Fire Department. Grey's Anatomy, which is uh, donating to hospitals in Los Angeles. The Good Doctor, which is Vancouver-based, they donated medical supplies from their film set to hospitals and organizations in need. And The Resident, which is Atlanta-based, donated unused gloves, gowns, and face masks to Grady Memorial. So it's really nice to see actors, uh, you know, kind of these these shows and showrunners donating their supplies to... The real medical professionals, you know, not just the people that we see on on TV that are doing this. This is real life, and and they have these supplies, and it's great that they're helping out. I think this is is such a great time for, for giving back. Jenny, any kind of final thoughts on the week that was and the week that we have ahead?
1: I think that we are all going to need to band together, even though we are social distancing. You know, find ways to connect with people. Make sure that you're doing that. It's important. Um, also, if you can donate to any of these great initiatives, I know um, Bethany Frankel, who's an incredible businesswoman, um, has an initiative going on to fund for the donation of masks and other ne- necessary medical equipment that um, they're just they're they're not you know equipped with right now in hospitals. Um, and so that's really important. Look out for those people um, and try to do do what you can. Um, and also, you know, one way to do that is, you know, being selfless, staying at home um, and making sure that you're checking in on the elderly, checking in on your friends who, um, you know, may have a pre existing condition, um, making sure that people are, are doing OK and um, and doing what you can personally.
0: As far as for me, I think what we've seen as far as leadership or the lack thereof, depending on, on where you fall on the political spectrum, certainly. I think the move in the markets where they've continued to go down and down and down, I'll be very, very interested to see whether the stimulus bill that I expect will pass next week and be signed by the president into law moves the markets at all, whether people think that this is either just a short-term measure. But as we start to get this and checks will be going to Americans and hopefully putting money back in their pockets, will be very, very interesting to see. So. Obviously, we hope that, you know, our fellow Americans, you know, you people listening out there as well as us, you know, we're all in this together. As Jenny said, there are so many things that we can do, either just washing your hands, taking care of yourself, wiping things down, not going out in public and doing the things that are responsible, continuing to do social distancing, even when you're at work or or going to the grocery store and all of these other things, you know, think about others. And, and obviously, Jenny and I wish for all of you listening and everybody out there across the nation and around the world that, you know, you are safe and healthy and that your families are, are safe and healthy. For Jenny Taylor and Noah Niederhofer, thank you again for listening to Polite Politics.
1: We'll see you next time.